Welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. On today's podcast, I want to learn a little bit more about logistics and material management. And I have someone great and phenomenal to help me understand that in the context of supply chain within the public service. Helping me to understand that today is Richard Quinn. Richard Quinn is a former senior military logistician with over 35 years of experience. As a logistician officer, he acquired all embracing knowledge and experience in supply chain management, which includes acquisition, movement, accounting, storage, and disposal of goods. He worked at the tactical, operational, and strategic levels within D&D. As an army logistics officer, he deployed outside of Canada to Macedonia, Jerusalem, Israel, and South Sudan as the commander of the task force Soprano that worked with the United Nations in South Sudan shortly after the country gained its independence. Richard is currently a board member of the Canadian Institute of Procurement and Material Management and is an active mentor within the SIPIM mentorship program. Richard holds an MBA in supply chain management from the Royal Military College in Kingston. He is also a graduate of the Canadian Forces college joint command and staff program quite the extensive background that richard and that was just the brief version that i was able to read for our listeners welcome to the podcast thank you very much bruno can you describe your journey in more context just give us a context of what your journey was like i can tell you my journey didn't really start with me wanting to be a logistician in terms of a career after high school. It was really actually I wanted to be a police officer. But why I got into logistics is because one, the police force applications, I wasn't successful. I got to the very, very end of, hey, we can pick your file or not pick your file. And at the time my file was not selected. I always wanted to be, I was always comfortable being a service to others. Yeah. And the motto of the logistics core is Servetium Nulli Secundus, which is service second to none. So I felt a natural connection to being a logistician. And I chose to be an army logistician because in my mind, the army just had a little bit more snap and go and pizzazz and that kind of stuff, you know, and physically demanding that kind of idea. So that's how I got into choosing to be an army logistician. But prior to, once I made my choice and I uh, was recruited into the Canadian Forces under the regular officer training plan, I went to uh, the Royal Roads Military College at the time when it was still a military college for a period of four years. I graduated with an undergraduate degree in applied military psychology. And then my career started as an Army logistician with my first posting to Calgary. And I've had multiple postings over the course of my 32 years in uh, uniform. And I chose to retire from the Canadian Forces in 2016, September 2016, and I transitioned directly into the Federal Public Service with D&D as a, initially as an AS7, and I've transitioned over to the PG community, but essentially doing the same kind of work as a senior logistician. And I use the word logistician because, or senior supply chain specialist, if you like, because I'm involved in 
all functional areas in some way of, of a supply chain from planning all the way to the divestment of material. So that's been my journey summed up in uh, 32 uh, plus years of why I am where I am at this point in time. Wow. Can you briefly describe the work that you do? Certainly. Right now, my work involves primarily providing supply chain advice to uh, my director general and her team of directors under the director general material systems and supply chain division. I find myself and my team often being coordinators of collective responses to strategic defense supply chain questions for which our division is asked to respond from either external or internal actors or even from the office of the ADM specifically. In addition to that, my other main activity is I'm currently leading an initiative that is focused on the improvement of the training and development program for material management practitioners within the material group and subsequently after that out to all Canadian Armed Forces units. Presently, I'm a board member of the Canadian Institute for Procurement and Material Management, as you know. I'm also a mentor under their mentorship program and I've been an instructor in the field of material management for the Canada School of Public Service for the past four years. Okay. And what would you say you love about your work? As I indicated at the start, why did I become a logistician? It's because I've, I really enjoy assisting others to achieve their personal team or a group objectives. I, I make myself available as best as possible to offer my insight and my advice on any matter that falls within the realm of defense supply chain management or one that affects defense team members who work within the defense supply chain itself. Okay. Wow. And what would you say are some common misconceptions that you've heard about logistics and the work that you do? If I consider myself either as a logistician or a supply chain management specialist, that when I tell people that as a public servant, I was initially an AS7 and now a PG6, this often generates uh, confusion and follow-up inquiry from them. And that's because most people don't expect an AS7 would be involved in the management and delivery of logistics or supply chain services. It's a group that in level is normally involved in human resource areas or business planning or some other program delivery, but not necessarily supply chain. But the position I was offered as an AS7 was being the manager of the National Technical Publications Depot here in Ottawa. We do have supply depots in Montreal and in Edmonton, and we have the coastal facilities in Esquimalt and Halifax. And of course, we also have the Canadian Forces Ammunition Depots, right, across, uh, spread across the country. But we still have one more depot, and that is known as the Publications Depot. And it used to be very heavily involved in hard copy publications that were printed, packaged, shipped, and sent across uh, the country. And, and internationally, but more and more, we're, we've consolidated a lot of what we, we read and use now and consume in electronic format. There's still management that has to happen to make sure that those publications are produced and distributed and updated as required for our use. And there are still hard copy publications that are still being used within the Canadian Forces and the departmental system. But it was unusual that it was an AS position. I, and it was probably because 
it minored in materiel, majored in service delivery. And I think that's why it was an AS7. But to take on the role that I'm doing now, when they were developing the position, it was felt. And my advice was if they want someone to replace me in the future, the likely pipeline for a subsequent persons for this job would be in the procurement and supply occupational group where we have a, a, a larger collection of material management specialists in that domain than we would in the administrative services group. So I said, if you're going to establish this position, I recommend it's a PG as the most likely group yeah. because the storesman's level just, it just doesn't, the STS group just doesn't have itself set up so that it would, you could be a section head level person with that amount of responsibility and experience to be able to do the role. So PG6 was a natural, natural fit. And so it was really just a, a transition from one to, so one from the other. So yeah. when I talk supply chain and they own a PG6, oh, that makes sense. But when I was talking supply chain and it was an AS7, they went, what? <laughs> that's not normal. And the answer is, yeah, I, I am an abnormal kind of guy. The other thing that's unusual or the misconception is as a PG6, oh, you must know all about procurement. And I would tell them, no, I don't. I'm not a seasoned procurement authority or contracting authority, which is atypical of PG6s, because typically you've come up the line of being a junior procurement officer where you get your first contract that you have to handle as a PG1 or PG2, and, and you grow up that line. I didn't have that route. I went from Canadian Armed Forces directly into the public service at that level, but I certainly fully understand and appreciate the procurement side of supply chain management. Yeah. And when I teach, material management, I make a very strong point that the procurement domain specialists are just as important as the material management domain specialists, and that the two have to work together mm -hmm. in order to satisfy the client, the person who's got an operation or a program to deliver, and they're looking for services support, material support, which both funnel through the procurement side because they're acquired through the procurement's domains. I'm a PG6 with not the usual PG background. So that's what's that's one of the misconceptions. I usually have to set people straight when they're talking to me about all this high level procurement stuff. And I go, sorry, I don't really have any experience with that. I have knowledge of it, but I don't have experience of it. Mm -hmm. So that's where there are some differences or misconceptions, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That material management component, uh, I find that um, that's one of the areas where I think it's really valuable for procurement officers to really get involved in and understand a bit of that process. Cause then it helps my job uh, easier because then I understand not only am I buying things, but then I'm looking at the life cycle of what exactly. I buy, how it's, it's managed. And know that it's going to come back at you because that item that you acquired at 10 years needs a relife, needs mm -hmm. a betterment. Mm -hmm. And it's the material specialists and the operations specialists are going to come back to you and saying, hey, I need a contract for servicing of this item or I need a contract to, to acquire the worn out and replacement parts, right? Oh, and I need a supply of some of these parts because some of them are consumed. Mm -hmm. Oh, I understand now. For And I, the advice I would have for anyone who's in the procurement domain, if they've yet to take 
the Introduction to Material Management course offered by the School of Public Service, I would recommend that be part of their learning development plan as a must, must complete. Yeah. I went through the federal government certification program for procurement or material management mm-hmm. that's currently managed by TBS. And the curriculum to achieve certification either in procurement or material management requires that you at least take the overview course of the opposite domain in order to achieve certification. So for a procurement specialist, you need to take the overview in material management. And if you're MM specialist, you need to take the overview of procurement, right? So that you learn, like you just said, you know, the interdependency that the two domains have and collectively they're, they deliver the goods or the services needed for program delivery that uh, that operations manager that is trying to support. So I would recommend to people take the opposite domains introduction is better because it's more in depth, but as a minimum, the overview courses that the school currently offers. Yeah. Hmm. Have you encountered any challenges during your material management career and how did you overcome them? I don't think there's anybody who would say they haven't had challenges. It's more of what do I actually think I can talk about in, you know, the short podcast time that you have, but I tried to put it together more of my time as a public servant and my time as a military officer. So in my 32 years of service with the CAF, I guess the major challenge would have to be is the frequent job changes that you undertake as part of your career. The longest job I ever had in uniform was three years. And the shortest I ever had was six months. As a result of that, you're put into a situation where you're forced to learn something new. So that, that, and and this is why when I, my bio says I have, I I say I have all encompassing logistics knowledge is because the multiple jobs I've had to have, have expanded my experience base, my knowledge base of all things logistics. And and so there's, there's six or seven phases of a, of life cycle overall within the defense supply chain. And I've worked in all of those phases by virtue of my multiple jobs that I've had. Uh, but as a public servant, your, your job changes become less frequent. And so therefore, the advantage to that is you can really gain a deep understanding and expertise in a particular area. But that's not the case in the, in the Canadian Armed Forces. It's really hard to become an expert because you're not there long enough. Just as when you really, you got to understand what's going on and can make the right decisions and influence things positively. Oh, time for you to move. You've got to get used. You've got to get used to that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, you need to find yourself another line of, of work because the frequency of moves is going to happen. And some people don't necessarily want to change much. And if that's the case, then you're more apt to have that kind of a career in the public service. Mm-hmm. And at least there's the stability is there if you want it, but there's also the ability to grow and move side to side in the public service if that's what you desire as well which is a positive which is a positive thing yeah and but the challenge with the public service is you often have to find the jobs yourself while in the canadian armed forces the jobs are given to you right at a certain point in your career you're given options would you prefer to do this or this all things being equal will give you what you prefer but no promises until you get your posting message mm-hmm. on the public service as we know it's not the same right everything you you need to do some of your own career development and career experience journeying you got to do a lot of that yourself because 
there isn't a system above you and around you that's actually pulling you through all of these different opportunities, right? You've got to knock on the door and walk through it yourself. And uh, so I find myself at this point in my career, helping the newer public servants figure out what's right for them and then assisting them in getting to that next opportunity that they would like to line up for themselves. Okay. So that's what I do in the mentoring uh, side of my my activities within the within my work my workspace. And because of that those constant moves and learning things, I I I came up with a my own approach to when I come into a new job and wanting to be the best service provider, that best logistician that I can be. And then I've used this in the public service as well as in the military. And I've shared my approach with folks that are in both wear a uniform and don't wear a uniform, whether they're logisticians or combat arms officers or, or not. I've developed what I call the four R's and it has nothing to do with the word Richard. It has to do with the four R's. And I found that this formula has really helped me become effective uh, more more quickly when I've changed jobs. And the first one is understanding the requirements. And that's from the, that is from the operations point of view. What is it that I'm going to be asked to do in support of my operations person or team that I'm ultimately connected to to support? What are the requirements? Getting a real understanding of that and finding out who is the person who essentially is the messenger or the decider of what those requirements are. Let's say it's you, Bruno, you're the team lead for something and you're the one who's really going to be the one who's going to put together the requirements. I'm going to want to be connected to you, right? What's going on, Bruno? You know, what's your timeline? What are you thinking about doing? Blah, 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 blah. Understand the requirements. One, but at the same time, I'm now into the next R, which is resources. Yeah. And those, and with resources, I've got two things, capability and capacity, right? If you're going to ask me to do something for you, I need to know what is in my control and what's in the system that supports me. I need to understand it's first, it's capability. What can it do? Because if you can do it, then you can move on. If you can't do it, then you've, you know, got to find another way of satisfying. And then it's capacity. We can do lots of things in D&D, but we often hear that. I wish I could do that for you, but I don't have the time or the people or the funding, one of the three, right? The three-legged stool. But the point is we have the capability. We have a lot of smart, capable people. It's just that I have a finite capacity with what I have working with me. So understanding capability and capacity, right? Falls under that resources. Then I'm into the rules part, which is the third R. What am I allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? Mm. What's the gray zone? Mm. Where's their discretion? right? Where is there some softness? That's the next part. And the rules are things like policies, the processes, the procedures, right? That's what I call the rules, the regulations, the laws. That's the rule set. What does the, what does Dreamus force me to do? What does the SAM force me to do, right? These kinds of things. So understanding the rules is the third R. And the last one is redundancy. And this is where the logistician side of me comes into play. You've always got to have a plan B. And a plan C, where possible. So when I'm asked to support a client, I generally look for, is there more than one way to meet my client's requirements in case something that I'm dependent upon for one solution falls apart? Mm -hmm. Whether it's going to arrive late, can't really, can't find a manufacturer because of COVID or whatever. What's my backup plan? That's the part of the redundancy. Yeah. And then the second half to redundancy is 
as is more of a leadership thing. It's where I've always taken on the uh, this philosophy of training my replacement. Mm -hmm. Someone on my team, I bring in and coach them, bring them involved in, in, in meetings, exchange emails with them. So they understand what's coming through my head, what's coming through my inbox, mm -hmm. what I'm doing with it, why I'm doing it. So that if I step away, either on leave, regular leave, or I have an extended absence for some reason, or I get an opportunity that I wasn't expecting and say, hey, Richard, we'd like you to do this job now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess I'll take that job. Now, who's going to do my job? Mm -hmm. And I was successful, for example, for my when I left the technical publications depot section head job. Mm -hmm. Over the course of the three years that I was there, I groomed my top employee. Mm -hmm. to take one of my section supervisors, I, I groomed him over the years to be capable of stepping into my shoes when I knew I'd be leaving. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exactly what happened. When I left, he had enough time in as acting as well as understanding the breadth and depth of the job that when the uh, opportunity came to compete for the position, it was a, a very, it no was uh, straightforward for him to compete and the management team clearly selected the stronger candidate to uh, take my job. And as a result, I don't get a whole lot of phone calls uh, <laughs> from him saying, Rich, what about, what did you do? What would you do with, right? Because over the course of the three years, I trained my replacement. So the system, mm -hmm. right, it was still supportive of the operations because I wasn't the only, you know, lose me, lose the operation. That's not the way I work. Logisticians, you have to have backup to keep the battle going. Think of the army, you know, you got to keep everything flowing forward and pe people get pulled out of battle for many reasons, sometimes very extreme circumstances, but the battle keeps going. So that's been my approach. Wow. So that was a long answer to a short question. No, it was terrific. <laughs> you went through, uh, yeah, you hit some very good points.